Welcome into this edition of the Redbird Report. Tom Prizman alongside Vedette Sports Editor Mike Mara coming to you from the Vedette offices here on the campus of Illinois State University. It is the week before homecoming. Illinois State football still on the road. And another road test for them upcoming after last week. Mike, I know you were there, and it's pretty fair to say they flunked their road test in pretty dramatic fashion at Flagstaff at Northern Arizona. Illinois State's no no stranger to Big Sky opponents as they've faced Eastern Washington a few times in the past couple of years in the playoffs. Personally, I didn't think Northern Arizona was going to be as strong of a test as Eastern Washington was was in the has was as they have been in the past. But I mean, they proved to look a lot better than Eastern Washington has as Illinois State's beat them. But I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, there's a lot more concerns inside that football office and football building right now than Northern Arizona being better than a different opponent. I mean, they got a lot of soul searching to do before their game at Southern Illinois this weekend. I think the big concern is that we we had talked about the offense and we had talked about how I don't think either of us are, are, are big proponents of Jake Colby. There are certainly people in that football office that are, and there are certainly members of the Redbird Nation that are. But we saw on Saturday, the, the problem I don't think is necessarily Jake Colby. Now, he's definitely struggled. The thing that jumps out to me was the defense that we had lauded so much praise upon, and deservedly so through the first month of the season. Uh, but in a game, they needed them to step up on the road when the offense struggled. The defense simply did not have the performance that they needed to get it done. The one thing I, I will say is their first half effort defensively was very, very good. Only allowed one touchdown and a few field goals going in. And Illinois State had no answer for the Northern Arizona defense. They didn't respond back to any points. I mean, it was kind of like they were just getting hit and hit and hit until the fourth quarter when they, it was finally they woke up and said, okay, you know, we got one quarter to try and turn this thing around. I, I still don't think the defense is, is a is an issue. And my thing is because if you score a touchdown or two, that defense is feeling, might be feeling a little bit more confident going into that second half. I, 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 I give it to the offense. I still put a lot of the blame on the offense. And the one thing I will say, I don't know if you saw this, Tom, Brock's back said that he's he, the two-quarterback system is in play the rest of the season. And it's not Tristan Smith. It's going to be Malachi Broadnax. So, I mean, the one thing is that keeps Tristan Smith's redshirt year available, which is the one thing that Spack mentioned earlier in the season. But I, the one thing that Spack did say was not only is the two-quarterback system in play from here on out, he almost regrets not putting Malachi Broadnax in, in late in the first half of the Northern Arizona game. Not even in the second half when it's out. Put, putting it in, in, meaning, in, in moments that mean something. I mean, I think the idea there is Tristan Smith very similar to Jay Colby. I think we're looking at, if not a mirror image, something, certainly somebody. And so if you had a two-quarterback system with two quarterbacks who are identical, I don't think there's any advantage to that. Plus, as you mentioned, there's been trying to redshirt Tristan Smith. And as we saw, I think it was the Indiana State game was the first time we saw in the depth chart that Brodnick's officially became the backup. We don't assume that all season long that he was going to come in, but he officially on the depth chart became the number two behind Jake Colby. And now it'll be interesting to see um, you know, a lot of teams do this with the quarterbacks where they put the or if they're not confident. We'll see if Jake Colby gets an or. I don't think it's that un, it's not, it's not unfathomable anymore where uh, we're talking about the depth chart, the two deep as they call it, and the game notes they put them out I think every Tuesday. Um, and a lot of teams that don't have confidence in one sorting quarterback, rather than list a starter, will put, for example, Jake Colby or Malachi Brodnick's in the one and two slots, just to say it could be either of them. Colby's not there yet. Right. Right now it's still. Right now it, it, it's still too deep. There's no or. But I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know if, if you got to see any of the Northern Arizona game, but I'm telling you, all of the nightmares that 
Illinois State was worried about at the quarterback position, even though all offseason long they didn't project it to be a problem. I, I know it was kind of just us in here speculating what we saw from last year. Coach Spack all offseason long said that the offense was going to be a strong suit of the team. I was always skeptical. I mean, he said it at media day. He said that the defense, or he said the offense was going to be stronger than the defense and that they were going to win through the offense. And I sat there and I just kind of thought, there's no way. And it starts with Jay Colby. And I'm not surprised by it. But either way, going back to the Northern Arizona game, all the nightmares came true because it was those head-scratching moments where he's throwing to a receiver that you don't know. I mean, he throws a ball in no man's land, and there's only three Navy jerseys around that had any opportunity to catch a ball. Or the one the one play I keep going back to is it's there. you're inside 12. You have 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're on your side of the field. You have about 30 yards to the goal line, and it's a third-down play. I believe it was third down play. Don't call me on that. But either way, they're trying to drive, trying to get points on the board. This is an opportunity. This is a, a spot in the game where you need to score. And Jake Colby throws a 50-50 ball up about the five yard line, and they come down. And Northern Arizona comes down with it. And that was one of his two fourth quarter interceptions. His second one was just absolutely just right to the other team. There's there's no ifs ands or buts about that one. So I mean, I'm just telling you. Every worry that you had at the quarterback position came to fruition in Northern Arizona. It is interesting on the defensive side, though. I mean, you were there, and obviously I watched part of it on television. It's a different, different feel uh, when you're watching in person than you get, you get in television. I, I still have cons- I think 37 points as good as Case Cookus is, the quarterback, and there's no doubt that I think ISU found out he's a perennial guy that they're going to have to wor- the whole FCS going to have to worry about. As, as an award winner the next couple seasons, he's only a, a redshirt sophomore, yeah, correct? correct? So a lot of potential for him if he stays. I know you I know you said that there were some NFL scouts in the building as well, so we'll see how long he remains in Northern Arizona. But as long as he does, he's going to be a big player. But still, 37 points uh, is concerning to me, especially they poured it on late, 13 in the second quarter, 14 in the third quarter, and then 10 more in the fourth quarter. And, Obviously, that ISU defense has been really good, but it seemed like that was a game where obviously the offense was struggling, and if they are truly a top-10 team, the defense would have found a way to get it going and would have found a way to keep that at least more competitive and would have given the offense more opportunities. I know you're going to say the offense struggled, but there's no doubt that if you're looking at North Dakota State, Youngstown State, uh, Western Illinois, all those games that we've been highlighting, the offense, let's just be frank, is probably not going to play that well again, you know, unless they really get it going on the ground. And I think that's something we'll talk about next, the ground game. Um, but they're going to, they're going to, ISU is going to have to win those games via defense. And the defense simply didn't get it done the other night. The one thing I'm going to say about the defense that's pretty concerning is usually when you see these top, you know, these top five, top ten perennial defenses, you see defenses that can put up. You see defenses that can put up points. This is a defense that is not putting up points. I mean, and I get you know you're not even forcing turnovers. And I mean, I don't think they force that. They may have forced a turnover on Saturday night. I don't believe so. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. But they're not scoring points. You don't see any pick sixes or, or, or you know picked up fumbles. You've seen that against Indiana State, which if think about how big that Indiana that fumble recovery by Adam Conley in the end zone actually ended up being against Indiana State because that offense stalled in the second half and that was the other thing just going back to the offense they almost went five they went five and a half quarters without scoring a touchdown if you're going to compete with teams in the Missouri Valley especially the top dogs like South Dakota State and North Dakota State you're just not going to cut it but going back to the defense I was going to ask you how much you think there was a hangover from that Indiana State game because obviously a lot of Redbird fans watch just 
Redbirds went out in that first half, arguably their best first half of the season, at least maybe against a better opponent than some of the other teams they played. And then the second half, they came out and they laid an egg. And it was concerning, but it seemed like, all right, they won the game, and now they turned the page. And it did not seem like the, the page was turned at all. It seemed like it was just a carryover from that second half in Indiana State rather than playing like they did in the first half. The one thing I will say about any carryover is Illinois State looked like they were up and ready for the game. Pre-game, they were they were jacked up. I mean, it wasn't like they relaxed. Days cold, no hangover. The only thing that I, I mean, that you seen that was evident was Northern Arizona watched film. I mean, they watched a lot of film. They literally ran the same defense that Indiana State ran in the second half, and they just Illinois State just could not figure it out in in, in any sense. I mean, they they were just struggling. They were stifled all night long, and I know we want, we're going to get to it, but they stuffed the run game. And then you know how Illinois State's offense is. They don't take many shots downfield. I mean, you don't see Jay Colby ever, you know, take a five-step drop and look for somebody deep. He's a, he likes to dip and dunk, you know, to the, the short game. And I'll tell you what, there were two times that that Northern Arizona had sniffed it out and stopped it for a loss. I mean, and, and there was one play, I think it was the second time they ran it, that Colby was actually lucky he didn't get picked off because if the defender had a step or two closer to the line of scrimmage, that thing was going back for six. So I think a lot of it, you got to give it Arizona, Northern Arizona credit just because of how, I mean, they did their homework. They did their homework at ISU. Now let's talk about the running game. I think that's a big concern. Obviously, I think Jake Colby in those first couple of games played well, but the running game was the star of the show. In this game, 29 total carries, just 63 yards. It's a 2.2 average. You look individually, Markel Smith played. I guess you would say okay. He had seven carries for 31 yards. That's a 4.4 average. James Robinson, 10 carries for 21 yards. That's a 2.1 average. And then behind that, just one carry each for Birch and Henderson. So I, I don't know what to make of the running game that was so fantastic the first couple games of the year. Is it on the offensive line? Is it on the running backs? Is it on the lack of a passing game? What, what You were there. What do you see uh, from your perspective? Uh, the offensive line struggled mightily on Saturday night in Northern Arizona. I mean, this offensive line, they were just letting guys in. The whole blocking as a whole, the blocking as a whole was was pretty, I mean, I, there's no easy way to put it. It was pretty terrible. Uh, when, they were, when they dropped back to pass, the offensive line was going one way and James Robinson was going the same way as them. I mean, you just... Picking up guys that are unnecessary. I mean, obviously, like I said the other day, it's it's pass blocking one on one at that point. If you know the slide protection is going left, James Robinson has to go right. They were not on the same page, and it's a young offensive line. But Coach Spack yesterday said there was going to be changes to be made, and I think obviously he hinted at one as as Malachi Broadnax is one of the changes for the younger guys to be playing. But I think a lot of that's also going to be the offensive line. I think they're pretty fed up over there with how that offensive line is played. Because if you look at it, I mean, I know we talked about when this team was finally going to be tested to start the season and, and northern arizona was probably one of them that you circled i personally thought that they were you did not i was i was always proponent that i thought northern arizona be a good road test Correct. You, you more thought it would be southern illinois this week and i i for what i i i think i underestimated them i knew they had case cookus but I mean, they did start 0-2, but you have to look at the two opponents they started 0-2 against. Arizona, obviously, FBS, and then West. Western Illinois, who's another solid MVFC team. And they handled Northern Arizona pretty easily, 38-20 to in Northern Arizona. So that was also on the road. I I think if you're Illinois State, you're, you're starting to scratch your head a little bit because 
and this is exactly what we talked about, is that 4-0 record, is it seriously 4-0, and are they really this good, or have they just played poor opponents? And I think that's what you're going to start to see. I mean, you look at this back half of the schedule, You are going to, if this team is not for real, you're going to be exposed as, as soon as this weekend. But realistically, when South Dakota, when South Dakota excuse me, comes into Hancock Stadium for homecoming on the 21st, that, that is a good team. And I said, it last, I said it this past weekend, South Dakota, Bob Nielsen took over that program a year ago. He came from Western Illinois where he, he changed that program around in three years. To You see what they're at now. And then he goes to South Dakota, turns that program around, and now they're in the top ten. And they just they went to Youngstown State and beat a top ten opponent in Youngstown State. I, I'm, I gotta tell you, I think this weekend they're gonna skate. They're gonna get by. They'll beat Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois just I don't think has enough to take. I mean, first off, offensively, they're not going to have enough to to overcome this good of a defense, despite how be- how poor of a week the defense had at, at Northern Arizona. And the offense, again, it's going to be like an Indiana State thing. You know, the offense is going to show up. You know, do their thing for a little bit, put 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 points on the board. You know, and allow the defense to win the game from there. But I'm telling you. October 21st is is going to be a rude awakening for this Illinois State team, unless they show me something. Unless they come out and show me something on Saturday, but I, I just don't think so. And South Dakota is a team that's going to come This is a must-win, I think we'd all say, this weekend. If they don't win this, the back half is getting easier, and we're looking at maybe a team that starts 4-0 and and finishes you know, four and whatever's left in the schedule, four and seven, four and eight. There's six. I think there's six. There's three and three left, so four and six. Or no, that doesn't make sense. There's got to be seven left. Yeah, because so they play eleven. So four and seven. We're not, we're not math majors, as you can tell. <laughs> I just came from my math class, and I can confirm I am not a math major. Um, yeah, four probably four and. I, I mean, that's a distinct possibility. I think if they lose this weekend. We're looking at maybe four and seven, five and six in the eye at that point. If you win this weekend, you're back on track. You're five and one. Obviously, the back half is incredibly tough, and we could see them go still go five and six. But at that point, at least you have some confidence. This is very few games you call a must win, and obviously, down the stretch, there's going to be games that we're going to say they need to win, but. This is one against an inferior opponent. You have to win. Simple as that. Period. And, and you have to put them away. And as well as a rival. Don't forget. I mean, this is a this is a rivalry. The, you know, Southern ISU is um, in football. I would argue, in terms of historic rivalries, you know, obviously Bradley's probably ISU's biggest rivalry historically. Um, but you look at historic rivalries in the football field. Southern's the first team that comes to mind. Obviously, more recently, it's been North Dakota State. It's been some of the Dakota teams. But historically, Southern is a team that ISU always wants to beat. And that's just one of the things that maybe this rivalry game's coming at a good time just because, I mean, you go out there, you 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 know handily beat them, and then you have some momentum going into that back half. Because that back half of the schedule, at the start of the season, I had said that you weren't going they weren't going to be tested till this coming weekend that proved that proved wrong i thought i had them at 5 and 0 heading into this weekend where you you probably beat southern illinois i mean if if we're being honest you probably beat southern illinois i don't know what you know who knows how they'll beat them or what the score will be but you go 6 and 0 then you look at that back you look at the back after that back 5 and you needed to probably take two or three you probably needed to realistically take two or three to still be in good playoff standings but now, you know... It, you I will say this. In defense of ISU's playoff rankings, Northern Arizona did enter the poll this week. They're now ranked number 24. Um, ISU still ranked. And I say if they can go after this weekend, something like 2-3 and three down the stretch, 3-2 and two even, that's probably enough to at least get them in the conversation for a tournament bid, knowing how difficult their schedule is, especially the back half. If you have, say, seven wins against this schedule, seven and four... 
Uh, last year, seven and four, you know, seven and four was good enough for a lot of teams to get in. ISU, I believe, got in six and five. They got right? in six and five. They got that last spot. So seven and four at least seems like there's a possibility they become in, get in. As especially, you now need some help from the rest of your schedule. Though you need North Dakota State, you need South Dakota State, you need South Dakota, you need Western Illinois, all to keep playing well to help you look good if you get wins over them, and also if you lose to them. Continue to play well, so it looks like quality losses as well as Northern Arizona. Um, but that's a little bit far ahead now. I think we're talking about down the line. First comes first for this team. Can they beat Southern this weekend, Mike? I think they do. Like I said, they're like you said, they're an inferior opponent. Uh, they have a good quarterback. Not going to overwhelm you. And then I, it really, and they did just lose forty nine to fourteen to South Dakota State. And let me tell you that the fourteen is a little. I mean, obviously. I, 49-14, it's dominated in your way. But, I mean, that, that last touchdown they scored was in the fourth quarter. was kind of a garbage time. You know, it was 49-7. But, again, we're being picky there. But still, I mean, that's a domination right there. And I will say this. I think this is a good test to tell which group ISU belongs into. Northern Iowa beat them 24-17 in Carbondale. South Dakota State at home, granted, beat them 49-14. And I think this weekend we'll find out does ISU belong to the Northern Arizona, does the Northern Iowa group, is do they just squeak out a win, or do they belong to the South Dakota State crew, and do they go in there and blow them out as well? A final note about Southern: I remember we were monitoring this game. We were together on a Saturday night. Memphis was down to Southern for most of that game. Mm-hmm. Tigers went on to win 44-31, but that was a game that the Salukis were in up until the last couple possessions. But I think what's gonna the key here is gonna be it's gonna come down to the defense. Their tailback, they have a good. They they'll probably go too deep. They they'll go too deep with their running back, and they're good. That's their offense because they're not gonna throw on you. They got a couple good receivers, but they're gonna run the ball on you, and that's that's gonna be their key to victory. And that's the one thing that Illinois State, even on Saturday at last Saturday, I should say against Northern Arizona, they held. I mean, all four hundred of their of Northern Arizona's yards came through the air. I mean, 60 of them came by the run, and you locked down their running game. So if they're able to shut down the run, I think they're, they're – I'm going to go with misdeceiving. I, I think it's a little deceiving that if they go out there and blow out Southern Illinois – I don't think misdeceiving is a word, correct, by the way. I, Mr. I, Editor. I made it up. <laughs> yep. Thanks. I just think that – at the end of the day, this is one of those games that you look at in the schedule, you see a big number, an inflated victory, and it doesn't mean anything because I just think I think they belong in the other half. They belong in the Southern Illinois half. That's in the Southern Illinois. Northern the, Iowa. Northern half. Iowa half. And that's just because when you look at how, I mean, Indiana State, North, North Dakota State, they played Saturday as well, 52 nothing, And it wasn't even a game in the first half. I mean, the first, I shouldn't even say it was the first quarter. First quarter, it was done deal. I mean, obviously on paper, it's done deal either way. I mean, if anybody thinks Indiana State was going to be North Dakota State, I, I don't know what you're thinking. But I'm just saying, and that was at Indiana State. ISU hosted Indiana State. Either way, I think they belong in the Northern Iowa half. They don't play Northern Iowa this year, but that'd be a, a, that'd be a good test. They're usually, Northern, Northern Iowa is one of those teams that, is usually fluctuating in between out of the top 25, in the top 25, in and out. But regardless, I think they belong in the Northern Iowa half. They're going to beat Southern Illinois. I, I, I'm going to predict it'll probably be like it'll probably be at least a, a two to three possession game. I'm, I, I think they probably win by at least 14. But again, I, <laughs> they don't belong with the big dogs. I just unless they show me something and they come out and the offense is really what needs to show me something is the offense. And unless they do. 
you know, they're going to go out and get this victory, but this back half of the schedule is just going to eat them alive. So changes on the offensive line. You mentioned them. There's not as many as you might think. Two starters replaced. Uh, Drew Himmelman, who was the backup left tackle last week, gets the start, but he's already started a couple games this season. He was hurt. He was hurt, and and that so he's gone back and forth. He he'll take over his starting role this weekend. The probably the big one is Dean Helt at center. I know he'd also been a little bit banged up as well, but he's a senior center, which is always one of the few returners on this offensive line. Played twenty seven career games now, which is the most on the offensive line, and he will be the backup this weekend for Garrett Hirsch, the redshirt freshman. Big opportunity for him to make a start in this spot. So those are the two big changes of the offensive line. Himmelman's expected. I would say, from my perspective, Hirsch a little unexpected. What have you what have you heard from inside the uh, the football building? That Dean Health wants to be back. He's just not 100%. He, he continues to tell Brock's back that I'm okay, I'm good, I'm ready to go, I want to play. But they he's gimping around, limping around. They, they're expecting a lot out of Himmelman. That's the one thing I will say is they're expecting a, a big start out of Himmelman, and they need it because this offensive line has struggled. Even with those guys in the lineup, when you go back to the first few games, I mean, even against Butler, Colby got hit a few times, and that's a team that you'd, you'd probably like to keep your quarterback upright as much as possible. And I know we're going all the way back now to September 2nd. But either way, they're expecting a lot out of Drew Himmelman. Uh, that's a big start for him. I mean, again, was injured. And then Dean Helt, uh, at this point, Spack said unless he's 100%, he's probably not going to go. So, I mean, it, it, Saturday is going to be a, a true tale of, of where he's at. And especially... I don't think he'll play. You also have to wonder. You, you do have... And this is... I, I get you go out there and you say, you know, he's not going to play unless he's 100%. If Hirsch goes out there... And is just, I'm not even saying he's snapping the ball over the place, just can't block a soul. Do you say, we need this victory, we need to win, and you throw health out there? Uh, that I mean, that's just one of the, because you, that, you, that happens in sports. What, do, you think that, do you think that's a possibility? I think it's certainly in play. Um, it'll be interesting to see upcoming Saturday. Other note from me, they made a lot of changes in the wide receiving core, especially that kind of secondary group behind Schnell, Fowler, and Gibbs. Uh, to open up the year, it was Bryce Jefferson. It was a, a couple different guys. Now the, the backups are Andy Mills, the first time we've seen his name on the depth chart this season, Antonio Haddon Jr., the redshirt freshman from Fort Pierce, Florida, and Matt Bogalski, the junior, uh, who's kind of bounced on and off the depth chart. So at that wide receiver spot, they're still trying to figure out things as well, trying to find brutally just a fourth option to, to help out those top three. Well, Bogalski had a few nice catches at Northern Arizona, which – when he made the catch, I kind of had to did, do a double take. I was like, "Who's in, who's that in the game?" But either way, I, I think his role might increase. I mean, because he he was one of the bright spots. I'll tell you what, they didn't. Christian Gibbs made a few nice catches, left the game early. He he got popped a few times. He got popped a few times. So I think it's fair to say though, those top three are the top three. Correct. And, those three are those three at the top are untouchable. However, order you want to put them in, I'd probably say Gibbs, Schnell, Fowler. I have to, I, that's I'll go right there too. But I mean, I think I think especially you have two outside guys, and Schnell's clearly your inside guy on the on the out uh, for the wide receiver position. So I think they're set there. But they'd love to find another inside guy, and it looks like to me it's probably either Haddon Jr. or Bogalski for trying to compete for that really that fourth wide receiver spot right now. I think right now it'd probably go to Bogalski. Like I said, he made a few nice catches. I mean, Anthony Followers dropping balls left and right. 
Saturday. Uh, Christian Gibbs left early, so I mean that obviously you know they needed to slide somebody in. Spencer Snell had a touchdown catch, a few other catches. He played very, he played pretty well. But outside of Spencer Snell, I mean it, it was it was Bogowski. I mean he he had a nice he had himself a nice game. Uh, obviously you lose Christian Gibbs, you know in the second half that doesn't help you out very much. But I think I think right now I think there's they're going to shuffle that offense up. I think the defense is going to stay the same. Obviously, you have to shuffle it up for one half as Mitchell Breeze is going to miss the first half. I mean, two targeting calls in as many games. Uh, kind of unfortunate, I, I, I guess, even though that's something that you can prevent. But I, again, you're not going when you're going through the motions. You're not sitting there like, okay, I can't target this guy. It's difficult. I think the targeting rule has uh, is meant to do good. I don't know necessarily if it's the best rule. I think there's ways to improve it, but that's probably a discussion for another day. I, I'll give my prediction now, and then I do want to finish up. Mike went on the road trip with the team, and I, I as much as you can tell us, you know, there's obviously some things that have to remain behind closed doors. I do want to just kind of you tell us what it's like to go on the road trip with the team because I know that's something a lot of fans are curious what especially a flight that's the longest one the birds will make this season quite literally flying out to Arizona <laughs> um, so we'll ask about that but first I'll give my prediction uh, and I remember we all remember the slide last year I'm, I think we could be sl- seeing the slide 2.0 this year I have 24-21 Southern Illinois over ISU and I, and I think next week we're really talking about hitting the panic button and we're talking about a team that has dramatically different goals than we're talking about this week. Before I give my prediction, I'm going to – because that was a question somebody asked Coach back yesterday on Tuesday is, hey, last year you lost one game and it snowballed. And that's where the season turned around. Your season, I didn't. And who was the quarterback last year? Jake Colby. And who was and who is a lot of these players who remember that very well? Pretty much the entire defensive unit. Correct. I I, I don't. Spack said that it wasn't going to happen again. Spack said. I mean, it, he has to say right, that. Right. Correct. That's one of your. If he came out and said, "I think it's going to snowball," <laughs> we'd, probably, be having, we'd be having a very different conversation right now. We might be talking about who was coming into to who's the interim coach yes. of the Illinois State yes. Redbirds, but. I think I think it's a concern. Uh, just again, before I get, my, I think it's a concern because any team in the valley, and I know you've seen it. Indiana State came in here and gave ISU a scare. I mean, that's the easiest way to put it as a scare. Any team in the valley can come out and beat you any day of the week, unless you're Indiana State playing South Dakota State or North Dakota State. Those guys are virtually untouchable by it. But everybody else is in play, and everybody else can lose any day of the week to one of these valley teams. And so I think. I think it's a possibility. I'm going to sway in the other direction. I think this team's a little bit more mature, a little bit more experienced than last year's team. Uh, I don't think the wheels fall off yet. That's what I'll say. I'll leave it at that. I don't think the wheels fall off this week. What, I, what would that score be? I think the score for Illinois State this weekend, I think I'm, I, I think 31-17. I think it's a 14-point game, um, and the wheels don't fall off yet. We'll see, though. I think we're both saying the wheels are going to come off at some point. Oh, uh, correct. When you look at that back half of the schedule, if you if you told me at the beginning of the season the wheels were going to fall off, I'd probably be like, yeah, I don't know. This team's, I think this team's good. Now that we've seen this team play a couple times, and you see it, we've seen this team for now five weeks. Correct. And now that we've seen the team for five weeks, and you've seen how they played in a Haas. I mean, I'll tell you what, Northern Arizona was a, a, a great football environment. Uh, you know, if you went as a fan. It was a super ten thousand cool strong. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it was a sellout. It was a sellout against Illinois State. And Spack said that's like that's a playoff environment. And like you said to start, they failed the road test. And the last thing I'll say is you've seen them play a true test and just kind of get walled over. I mean, it wasn't. They never. They never felt like they were in the game. I it never seemed like it was close. Even when. 
even when it was a touchdown game going into halftime, it was, I thought to myself, it's just a matter of time before Northern Arizona kind of pours it on, and then they did. I mean, they ran that double pass. I mean, you, that's a confident team. If you're going to run a double pass, and at that point, at that point, it was still a game. It wasn't like they were up and they're just going to try it. That was a play to continue just pouring it on. So I'm just going to say the wheels don't fall off. But if you watch last week's game, unless you got the Redbird goggles on, you, you kind of see the the end is near. You know the wheels the writing is on the wall. Correct. You mentioned you last week's game. You went with the team. Uh, you went as the engineer for WJBC. You got to sit, have a good seat next to Dick Ludke and everyone else up in the broadcast booth, and just take us through what it was like to travel with the Illinois State team. As much as you can, kind of give us an insight, give the fans what it was like to, at least in some way, be a member of the Redbird football program for a few days. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is it was the first time since I was eight years old on a plane. Uh, so I got to the airport. He was very excited about the plane ride. Oh, I was, I was, I was really excited. It was, it was, it was cool. But anyway, so I walk in. This is I haven't told you this yet. I haven't seen you much this week. Uh, so I walk in, and you know they do your baggage check. You know they they want to. You should p- mention you're flying out of the local airport. Correct. Here, and a charter flight. Correct. Um, so it's not like you're flying United. Right? <laughs> uh, so we get there. They're checking our bags. I put my bag up there, and I I went to hand the lady my boarding pass, and she kind of looked at me. She goes, "No, you hold on to that for now." And I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, so we get through there. We go to security. We we go through. So there. you tell you weren't a vet. <laughs> oh no, oh no. Well, that wasn't the only person I tried to get my boarding pass to. We get to security, and the guy goes, "Can I have your ID?" And I gave him my boarding pass and ID. He goes, "Nope, <laughs> just need your ID." Take your that one. Do you know what? I probably would have done that one because when you fly commercially, you you hand them your boarding pass, and they they always write like a, a they to do some sort of like an okay, like a yeah. really sloppy okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I, they 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 have some like hieroglyphics. <laughs> Glyphics on it that I don't know what it means, but I I would have done that. That wasn't that bad. Right. So then we eventually get on the plane. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. Flying is, is a weird experience. Why? I don't know who. I mean, obviously I know who thought of it. The Wright brothers thought of it, but like I don't know why they thought you know a, a metal tin flying through the air at high rates of speed is crazy. But anyway, getting when we finally got to Northern Arizona, I'd never been to. I've never been out west. Um, you know, the, I've only been to Florida and Wisconsin, so that that shows you how. Well, in Indiana, forgot about Indiana, but really beautiful. Uh, it was really nice. I mean, not every day you get to see the mountains like that. Uh, you know, you've seen why they're they're the lumberjacks because trees were just about everywhere. Um, we went out to eat on Friday night. And I got some nice ravioli. You would probably like the dish. It was very, very nice. Uh, got to watch the Cubs game. Lots of, lots of Cubs fans out in Arizona. Everyone should know that Mike was having a panic attack all week when he thought he was going to miss the Cub game. <laughs> yeah, I was super nervous. I was, And you saw it firsthand because I was like, what what time is it going to be there? Am I going to miss it? I'm going to land at the Mike end of the game. Mike also was really struggling <laughs> with time zones. I was asking what time the game was and it took us like three hours to determine what time the game was because he couldn't translate it back to at that central point, time. At that point, the game might have been over because we were trying to figure it out but then you get there uh we get there saturday we get to the dome um again i'd never been inside a dome uh as far as for a playing facility it was super nice uh seven thousand feet above sea level uh it was, it was really really cool and as far as being able to travel with the team uh it, it's just it was cool to see that side 
uh, of, of the program just because usually you're here, you see them at home, uh, you obviously know they go out on the road, but you never you know kind of get to see what behind the scenes is you like. You had to wear a suit. You had to wear a suit, uh, but I will say, and you know this, it was Friday, so it was game one of the NLDS. I wore my Cubs tie, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it was super cool to kind of be a part of the program, uh, obviously with WJBC being part of the, Red, the Redbirds Radio Sports Network. Um, so it, it was really cool to kind of like take a step aside and be able to go with them and see what a road trip, a true road trip is like. So uh, it was a super cool experience. And obviously the first time that Illinois State's traveled to Northern Arizona for that Might game. Might be their last after how it went. <laughs> well, Northern Arizona still has to come here. Yes. And that's a different story, but... You know, uh, you don't know. If I don't know if they'll be renewing the home and home right. after. <laughs> uh, but overall, it was a very cool experience. Um, the one thing I will say is coming back at three thirty in the morning on Sunday morning, and Sunday morning, and having to be here at noon. Uh, you know, I could do without that part. But uh, but other than that, it was a, it was a very nice road trip. Take us through the vibe of the team at leading into the game on Friday, and then sort of post game uh, Saturday. I don't necessarily have to go into any specific people, but just sort of what you felt from the team heading into the game, and then obviously after the game. Uh, there was an I will say there was on the plane on the plane ride there there was an energy to get down uh, get down to Arizona when the plane landed. Uh, you know the team was dialed in. That's the one thing. It wasn't like it was a there was you know this there's no focus there. I mean the team was focused. Uh, they knew the ta- the task at hand. I mean you had some guys watching film. Uh, you had some guys you know doing whatever they had to do inside their playbooks. It looked like a few of them were filling out some sort of you know a play diagram where they're going, where they who they had to block on what plays. Um, so they were focused. Uh, and then when you get back on the plane, you know it, it wasn't as mellow as you might think. Um, they they still seem pretty up upbeat. Um, I know the coaching staff for one was not. Uh, Coach Spack said he wanted to have the film. He said post game on JBC that he was going to have the film fully watched and, and, and graded out by the time we landed. Um, and he confirmed that yesterday that he had player grade sheets all but handed out to the players by the time we landed back in normal at 3.30 in the morning. So um, I think it was a bit different, uh, but the players didn't seem like, you know, they weren't very uptight. They seemed, like I said, you know, you could you could tell that they lost. You could see a few guys were down, but outside of that, you know, it was, it was kind of like it, a team with still with confidence. You correct. Moving it, forward. it wasn't. It wasn't like we are here today. They don't. They, they seem like a team that doesn't see the wheels being or falling off at some point. Um, but uh, hopefully they don't think like us. They thought like us. The season would not go. Very cor- well. Correct. They probably go to Southern and you know it might be North Dakota State versus Indiana State. You know, fifty-two to nothing. But uh, no, it was, it was very cool. It was a very neat experience. And that will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report. Coming to you from the Vedette offices here on ISU's campus. Signing off for Vedette Sports Editor Mike Mara. I'm Tom Prizman saying thank you so much for listening. We'll have to see how the Redbirds do this weekend. We'll come back to you sometime next week with the next edition of the Redbird Report.